Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics right now, and that's joy. Yay! (laughs) Joy and happiness. Oh my goodness. It's just, I think the reason it's come up as such a great desire in my life at this point in my life is because the last years we've dealt with so much sorrow and hardship and seeing people that we dearly love go to heaven, you grieve. The Word of God says we don't grieve like the world does. But we do sorrow and grieve, yet we know where they are, who they're with. I love in Genesis, it says that when Abraham passed away, that he was gathered to his family. Yeah, doesn't that. say that he was taken from his family, but gathered to his family. So, you know, the outcome is amazing. You know, people that we love are with Jesus now, but still in the process, there's a sense of loss that you have to bring to the foot of the cross. And I'm loving doing that coming to the foot of the cross, laying down the hardship, the grief, the sorrow, the things that wound and some people never recover from because the place to recover is at the foot of the cross. Sometimes it's almost like the sorrow and the grief can infuse you and get inside you. And I remember the last few years when things were happening, I would wake up in the middle of the night and literally speak to my mind and my body and command it to reject the spirit of sorrow. And I would take a deep breath and I would say, mind and body receive the joy and the peace of God because it's so easy to let the sorrow of the world. Now it's normal to cry, to grieve, but I think it's a difference when like a tea bag goes into hot water and it infuses the water. We should be infused with the joy of God. With God's joy. Yeah. Even no matter what the circumstances, even when when tears are coming down our face, this joy is possible. Absolutely. You know, when Jesus was preaching the message we call his series on the mountain called the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Jesus said this, blessed and enviably happy. So right away, if you just stop there, you're like, oh, okay, blessed and enviably happy. Who are these people? Yeah. Well, blessed and enviably happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace are those who mourn. What? For they shall be comforted. And I think if you don't know the what, like what the blessing really is, and if you haven't understood the who is the source, then it really doesn't make any sense. But the moment you know what the blessing is, blessed and enviably happy with a happiness produced by the experience of God's favor. I mean, like a happiness, like you said, that just permeates your being. And once it's in you, it's just, it changes the color of your water. It just so affects the taste of your life. And it's inseparable. Once that solution gets in your water, it so affects how your water tastes, that here you are, you're blessed, enviably happy with a happiness. Well, who? Who gets this blessing? Well, first of all, the blessing comes from God, and God gives it to those who mourn. Well, you know, that doesn't seem to make sense. Like, why does mourning qualify for being blessed by the blessing of God? Well, because you come to God who is the source. Let's face it. We're all born into this world without Jesus. We're born without the love of God. We're born into a broken world in sin, the Bible says. And then we bring our empty vessels to God. And when we mourn, we truly acknowledge we need help. I need to be healed. 
I need to be fixed. I mean, I'm empty and I bring my emptiness to the source, to the foot of the cross. And I say, God, save me, save me and heal me and take away the sadness. And here's all my mourning. See, God needs something to do something with. We've talked about this before. God takes empty vessels and then he fills them. But until there's a vessel, there is no filling. But sometimes it almost feels like you're ash. It almost like you're an ash is something that's burned up, dry. And yet um, God is an expert at working with ash. Yeah. It says God formed Adam of the dust of the ground. Mm-hmm. We keep forgetting that's right. God does a miracle with dust. We keep forgetting that in Genesis 1, God created the earth and the heavens, and it says that the earth was formless. It was just like a lump of clay. It was dark, empty, void. God wasn't discouraged in verse 2, like, oh, what am I? I guess I made a mistake. What right. am I going to do? I got a big blob of nothing that's sitting in darkness. No, he hovered, it says, upon the face of the deep, brought all of his wisdom and understanding to bear, and then said, light be. Mm -hmm. And there was an explosion of illumination, all of a sudden life beginning to permeate this dark void. And God was on plan and on point to fulfill his masterpiece of this beautiful paradise that he ended up creating, which was Eden. And I think as we travel around to so many different places, different churches, different business women and men, and different Christian organizations and places we go, there seems to be an epidemic of sorrow and grief that is affecting the bones, like our friend Dr. Don Colbert says. Yeah. And literally people are getting diseases and sickness, osteoporosis, because sorrow got a hold of their life and it took root and entered in. Even great success in a lot of businesses, people People have children that they've wanted, um, marriages, maybe even a large, large ministry. But the spirit of depression seems to be epidemic in the world today. This is not God's will. We talk about praying for a massive revival. I believe that the catalyst will actually be when we learn to walk in the joy and the honor of God. Friends, right now, you may feel the burden of your assignment is to change the world. Here's the best thing you can do. Submit to the hand of God and change the world on the inside of you. Think of it. God wants to live in you, not outside of you. He wants to live in you. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Pam, isn't it interesting? We live in such a consumer-driven world that we're always reversing the order. God wants you to live inside of love. And inside of love, sit down and enjoy a banquet of joy. But we reverse things because we live in such a consumer-driven world. We're always trying to eat love from one another. Pam, won't you affirm me? Won't you love me? Pam, how did I do today? Pam, what about me? Come on, Pam, why aren't you giving something? Why aren't you loving me? We're always looking for love to come to us this way. When God said, no, no, if you abide in me, if who's talking? Jesus. Which God God is love. God is love. If we live inside of love, and love lives inside of us, the wellspring of love, God says that in this, Jesus goes on and he says in verse 11 of John 15, he says, I've spoken these things to you so that your joy, my joy, Jesus talking, my joy might be in Stephen and Pam 
and that it might be full and that now their joy, see, now we possess it, that our joy might be full and running over. So we're supposed to come inside of God's love. We're supposed to live in the abide. He said abide. You know what abide means? To abide is to reside. Right. When I live at a certain house, I come inside of it. If I want a meal from Pam, I come inside of Pam's house. And in Pam's house, that's where I get the delicious, and you are such a good cook. I get that delicious <laughs> home cooking from Pam in Pam's house. And you well, also breathe. You know, there's a fragrance in every house. There's the there's oxygen in that house. There's a atmosphere in that house. When we go inside the heart of God's love, inside of love, we abide there. We breathe His very DNA, which is love. Love. God wants to fill you with His Spirit. And think of it, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. How is it, Pam, that so many believers don't have joy and they don't have peace? Because they're trying to eat the love and they're trying to live inside of joy. They're making all these decisions. Well, maybe if we go on vacation here, we'll experience joy. Well, maybe if we do this, we'll get inside of joy. We'll have a happy atmosphere. No, no. Get inside of Jesus said, if you abide in me, get inside of Christ live in the house of love, there God will furnish a banquet for you of joy. Look what it says here in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, Jesus, it's a prophecy of the coming Savior. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And then it gets into verse 3, to grant joy to those who mourn. So we can bring our mourning to the Savior and we can say, Lord, here's my mourning. Can you give me a banquet of joy? Well, look what it says. To give them an ornament, a garland, a diadem, which is a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We can bring our ashes, lay them down at the foot of the cross. What's he give us? A crown of honor. He gives us the oil of joy instead of what? Mourning. But you have to bring something to the foot of the cross. I bring my brokenness. I bring my emptiness. I bring my mourning, my sorrow, all to the foot of the cross. And look at what King Jesus does. He fills me. He crowns me with beauty. He puts the oil, the everlasting gladness on my head. He fills me with the oil of joy instead of mourning. And it says he gives us a garment of praise instead of a heavy burden, failing spirit. And then out of that place, verse 4 happens, then we get to rebuild the ancient ruins. Too many times we're trying to rebuild things and do the work of the Lord, and we haven't been filled with the oil of joy because the Word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it also says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness, 100% joy. Psalm 1611. I've heard that a lot, and it usually is referring to a worship service or something like that. We're coming in, okay, we're all here together and in the presence of the Lord. Now we're going to get in the presence of the Lord and there's going to be fullness of joy. But really, I've got a revelation lately when we're praying in the morning, and that is in the presence of love, in the presence of God, which is love, his DNA is love, his very essence is love. So when we abide in love, then we have fullness of joy. 
So it's not a place we go to. It's not even an event or a worship service. Like I have a worship song about joy called In the Presence of the Lord. And I know you're going to love it. I know it's going to lift you. We go places, of course, when we're with a bunch of people, it's a large crowd. We're singing to the Lord. Of course, it's saturation time. We love those times. But that even in itself is not taking us into the presence of the Lord. We can go into the presence of the Lord, which is in the presence of love anywhere and everywhere. And then that joy, as long as we're in the will and way of God, (laughs) Um, we have to be in the way of God, His kingdom come, His will be done. But then the joy, it saturates us, it overflows, like you said. And then I love the next verse that we quote so much, but then after those verses, it says, then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love others with the same love that I have loved you. And sometimes we isolate that scripture, but we don't realize the process. First of all, we have to run into the heart of love, abide inside Jesus. Then his joy flows on us, in us, infuses us, overflows. Then the joy of the Lord is our strength. Then we have the strength and the power to love, to forgive other people, to show forth the goodness of God, but only when we do those things in that order. And talking about order, one of the greatest things we have to realize is, and it may seem a little bit, you know, we're we're thinking kingdom thinking here because it's so reverse of the way the world thinks this way. If you will just affirm me, if I can get love from you, talking about horizontal relationships, we're talking about lateral relationships. If only you guys would accept me, if only you guys would affirm me and give me attention, if I can just feel the love coming horizontally from all the people, from my spouse, from my children, if only I can get the love that way, then I will enjoy. I will be in joy. I will experience joy, right? I'll laugh and play in the puddle of joy. But you keep getting it, my friend, and you don't ever really get truly happy. You never really get the antidote to your mourning and your sorrow, do you? Let's just be honest. You're still struggling with your happiness. You still, your joy quotient, as I call it, your JQ is really a low JQ right? You you still are struggling with your joy level because you're trying to consume the love and you figure, if only I can get someplace where I can consume enough love, right? That's how you pick a church. Is there a church where I can go to where they will just accept me and love me for the way I am? This is the way people are in their cultures. Why don't you love me in my culture, right? Maybe if I just get in this culture, they'll love me. So you're, we're trying to eat the love so that we can live in joy. We can enjoy life. It doesn't work that way. The enemy has deceived us. Reverse the order. You've got to live, as Pam said, inside love. You've got to abide, which means to reside in love. Again, John 15, 7, if you abide in me, who's talking? Love. Jesus is love. God is love, 1 John 4. Jesus said, if you live in me, then once you get in Christ, in love, As we said in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, In the presence of the Lord is fullness and infilling of joy. Yes. See, there's the order. You live in love and you consume joy. You don't consume love and live in joy because you've been trying to do that and you're depressed. Yeah. You're sad. 
You still haven't got over the things that happened to you as a child or the the offenses because you're not in love. You get in bitterness. You get in resentment. You get in unforgiveness. No, get back in love. What's the doorway to in love? Jesus. You're going to have to forgive. Love forgives. God so loved the world that he gave. You've got to have something to give. And forgiveness is one of the ultimate acts of giving. So forgive. Come through the threshold of the door, the house of love. How do I do that? You come in. Jesus said, I'm the door. And Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's mercy, love, and forgiveness. you got to bind mercy and truth about your neck. you got to come through the doorway of love, that's Jesus, into the house of Father. And there, my friend, eat and drink to your heart's content. Be filled to the overflowing with the joy of Jesus so that it floods your life. Lay down your mourning at Jesus' door. Look right at the cross. Lay down your sadness, your sorrow, your brokenness, your emptiness. Confess it out. And in its place, don't walk away empty. Say, God, now fill my heart with your joy. Fill my heart with your joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm telling you, friend, it's the ultimate antidote against depression, sadness, unfulfilled hopelessness, heart sorrow, crying. When you just feel emotionally spent and just burned out, come to the cross, lay it all down and receive Jesus' strength. God would never give you a mission and not fill you with his strength. What's his strength? Nehemiah says, it's the joy of the Lord. Notice he didn't say that the love of God is the strength of God, right? Some of you think that because God loves you, therefore you should be strong enough to do the mission. That's not what he said. You got to come back to the word. He loves you. Yes, he does. He embraces you. That means he brings you inside of his house And there you consume the banquet of the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And I think when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say to a lot of us, why weren't you walking in my joy? He's going to say like our friend, why so sad? Why so sad? (laughs) (laughs) When I had so much for you. A lot of times it's in layers for me, though, too. You know, all of a sudden it'll be a layer of sorrow that's gone so deep. That's good. That I think I've got, oh, yay. And then I feel better. And all of a sudden, then something will trigger it. Four days later, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. I thought that, you know, so I quickly, you and I, we bring it to the cross again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm staying in your house of love so you continue to bring up and wash away every time it starts to come up. Sorrow, wrong thinking. I even think of what Jesus said, pray this way, let your kingdom come, your will be done. We say this a lot. Yeah. But God's kingdom is his way of thinking and doing things within the house of his love, within himself, the heart of love, the very essence of love, and where you said the joy flows, there's characteristics, there's truth you just mentioned. Yeah. There's peace, which means the dissolve of anything that is wrong and not right, washed away, and then wholeness. All these are a process, and we shouldn't be afraid of the process or when something else comes up, well, wow, I, I thought that I had forgiven that person, or I thought the anger was gone, or I thought the hurt was gone, or I was rejected here. But it's okay. It's layers that come up, and we continue to let God wash it away. Absolutely. Pam, what you just quoted there was from Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. You know, another word of saying that, it's not a matter of consuming. The kingdom of God is not a matter of consuming like the world does, but the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice that? 
in the yeah. Holy Spirit. Which is so love. you got to come inside of again the house of love. In the house of love is where you have the feast of look at what it says: righteousness, peace, and joy. Why didn't it say the feast of love? Because you're living in love. Right. Right? You don't eat the gingerbread house when you're living in it. You eat the banquet that's set before you, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's the thing that makes our spiritual bones strong, strong for the task of life, to feel fulfilled. God's never called you, friend to live your life always out of the emptiness and out of the brokenness. He said, blessed and happy are they who mourn, Jesus said in Matthew 5, for they shall be comforted. You are not comforted until you are filled to the full and overflowing. And to somehow doctrinalize your emptiness, that it's a state of God's will, that that's just perpetually the way you're supposed to live. It's wrong. Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full, abundantly, overflowing. God is not a God of just a little. He's a God of always the overflow. And you might say, well, Stephen, I mean, am I out of God's will? I I don't feel full. No, you're in process right now. Just even meditating on this wisdom as we are together, you're coming to the cross. You have to bring your emptiness. That's honoring to God to bring your emptiness. Lay down your ashes. Lay down the dust and the dirt of your life. Don't scorn it. Lay it down at the foot of the cross. Bring your errors to the foot of the cross. Trust God with your failure and your errors. Lay them down at the foot of the cross. And then let God fill every area of your life to the full and overflowing. God wants us to live life strong. And the word continues to say our strength comes from God's joy. All through the scriptures, over and over again, God's will is for us to live life strong in Him. So we have to live in joy. Yeah. And you know, I find so many people that were just so busy, so many mothers out there, and dads feeling completely on overload. They don't have any strength to have patience with their kids. They love their kids, (laughs) but because they're not getting and staying inside the house of love and getting that joy in them, their strength is not there. And so therefore, they want to love their kids with the love of the Lord, but basically, they just have, they're so weak. And that's not God's will. Some of you are in hard situations at work, some of you are in challenging situations where you've been portrayed and you've been humiliated, but you know, we still can live inside of love and get that joy that gives us the strength to throw it off, to still be in joy. So we can forgive and we don't ever hold hostage love from other people. Pam, that's so good because, you know, when we are weak like that, our giver is broke. That's good. Right? When you are not living inside of the house of love, in God's love, God so loved he gave. When you're not living inside the house of love, your giver is weak and broken. Then you have this wrong thought process that because you're weak to give, that you're failing. And people get in condemnation. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Let each one of us give as we've made up our own mind and purposed in our heart. And look at God says this, Not reluctantly, not sorrowfully. Don't give under compulsion. I know a lot of good people that give under compulsion. They feel threatened. They feel obligated, like they're failing if they're not giving. They feel condemned. But it says here, God loves, He takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, a cheerful, joyous 
giver whose heart is in their giving. Well, Stephen, how do I get to be a cheerful giver? Because right now I feel like I don't want to give. You got to be eating on joy. You got to be feeding on the joy of the Lord. You got to live inside of love. You see, you can't buy your way into love. That's what Jesus had to do. Jesus shed his blood on the cross so that you and me would have entrance into the house of love. Isn't that right, Pam? That's so true. Jesus shed his blood. There is no price you could pay, but you're trying to do that. Like if you're giving out of compulsion and sorrowfully, you're trying to buy your way into the house of love. My friend, through the blood of Jesus, come into the house of love. Come in, abide, quit trying to get this lateral love flow going. Get the internal love of Christ coming up with that wellspring on the inside of you. And then once you're living in the house of love, then from there, feed and feast on Jesus' joy. And the joy of the Lord will be so mighty in you, it will begin to empower the love to flow out of you. And then you'll become a giver. That's right. Right? You'll become a great giver with your children, with your spouse, with people around you. You'll be able to bless people who curse you. Why? Because you got the joy of the Lord. It's strengthening you. It's empowering you to do what you couldn't do in yourself. But if you're sitting there always trying to get affirmation and you're always trying to overpower your rejection by some more lateral, horizontal, you know, please express your affirmation of me and please love me and please confirm me and please help me overcome my rejection by that's not going to work bring your rejection to the cross lay it down come in the house of love let god repair you and then you become a giver and you know when we do that and then we can love other people like with the same love that god loves us because we're strong in joy what really is amazing is we become attracted we're living in the world where people are going to reject us it's just the world things are going to happen but at the same time You'll start attracting people that will respond to who you are. You'll find that people are going to start recognizing there's going to be those choice people, not everybody. Yeah. Because like you say to me, I'm not assigned to everybody. Pam, you're not assigned to everybody. Not everybody gets us, but there's going to be people when you walk in that joy, they're going to be so attracted because your patience and because you're sowing mercy and sowing that love, all of a sudden you'll know celebration of who you are is going to come back to you and friendships and good, healthy things are going to come Come back to you and godly affirmation and encouragement will come back to you by people, but that's not where your source is. That's so good. That's so good. You know, I want to leave the folks with this verse. First Chronicles 16, 27. Splendor and majesty are found where? In his presence. Wow. Let me say that again. Splendor and majesty are found in God's presence. And who is God? First John 4, 8. God is love. So we can say it like this. Splendor and majesty are found in love. And then it goes on and it says this. Strength and joy are found in his place, in his presence. So my friend, the strength and the joy, the splendor and the majesty that you crave, and you should crave it. Acknowledge that you desire it. It's a God-given desire that the Lord has put on you. You desire honor. You desire strength, joy, splendor, majesty. These things are all found living in the house of love, in his presence. Quit trying to get Enjoy, get in his presence and be filled with joy. 
be filled with his strength and majesty to the full. That's God's will for you and God's design for you. The enemy loves ignorance. I'm telling you, he delights in you and me staying ignorant and trying to get in joy so that we can eat a feast of love. No, no, get in love. Stay in love and God will fill you with joy to the overflowing. I'm telling you, you will become a one-stop shop party machine because the joy of the Lord will be overflowing your life. People will want to be around you. People, even your enemies will become at peace with you because there will be such a strength of God flowing out of your life. I believe that it's going to be such weighty joy. It's not a frivolous joy. Yeah, you'll dance, be loud and sing loud and whistle and and get excited, but it comes from a very weighty place, not just like, hi, let's have joy. But it's, you know, not a frivolous, like where you're trying to get contentment. It's a place that even when hard times come, it's a joy. Yeah, that's good. It's a joy. Pam, I I said that was one last scripture, but I I just got to say this because we know the famous scripture in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on and on. But think about this. Jesus says in John 15 that he's the vine and we're the branches. You know, branches don't try to consume their fruit. They give their fruit. It comes out of them. But when we're hooked up to Christ, when we are indulging and living in Christ, in love, out of us come the fruit of the Spirit. Out of us comes love, joy, peace. It flows out of us when we're abiding in the house of love, in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes out of us. And that's the will of God. Too many times in life, we're always looking for things to come to us. Well, if only this would come to me, trying to consume life. You're meant to live in it, in the house of love, and life flow out of you. That's when you're happy. You're happy. You can give because you're joy-filled. My friend, here's a great way of taking the barometer and the temperature of your life. If giving doesn't make you happy, it's because you're not living in love. When you're in the house of love, you are strengthened with the joy of the Lord, and you delight in giving because the expressions of love. See, love gives. God so loved. It's like saying this, love so loved that love gave. That's right. God has to give. And when you're living in the house of love, you know you're living there because you've got to give. It's just, oh, you got to because the joy of the Lord's strengthening you. To give. Yeah. Yeah. When it seems impossible, that's what joy does. Joy gives you strength actually to love others. Mm. I just want to say this in closing. We love you and we love to give to you. Pam and I, we pray for you. We think about you. Your faces come to our mind and our heart and we pray for you and we love to see you prosper, to grow, to increase, to become, to, to be able to lay your burdens and your hardships and your mourning and sorrow at the cross and be completely healed, restored, strengthened. We love to give to you. You, it's such a pleasure ministering to you and giving to you. I just want you to know our heart. We really love you and care about you. God loves you. You matter to him. You're important to him. God so loved, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Wow. You're blessed, my friend. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what's gone on in your life. You are loved. 
Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.